Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so, allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadi into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to guide it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed and you may be seated. The Book of Ephesians 4, 22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to be made new by the spirit of your mind, and to put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness. And so the right to the power, to the anointing, to put off our former way of life so that we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And to fulfill this decreeing commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, we need to put three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. And fulfilling these three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental requirements will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or more specifically, will our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a seed, identifying the deposit of our justification in the given to us salvation, where we need to turn the, th the three above mentioned acts into profit within the death of our Lord Jesus, so that our salvation can become our possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness, Otherwise, we will forever lose the justification that is given to us in the format of a deposit. We need to convert the salvation received in the format of a seed into format of fruit. In the format of, we receive it in the format of a guarantee, but we need to convert it into the format of our possession. Pretty much, the Lord gives us salvation and the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, as a deposit, as a loan, so that He can then allow us, the Holy Spirit, work with us to a guarantee. This is a, uh, during the time that a person lives on earth, he can be born from God, and by having his spirit born, he can then save his soul from his evil character, and then using his soul, he can adopt 
the weak and dependent body. Relevant to this, we stop to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. Getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David, consisted of the eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so that he can be saved from his enemies, and God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of his names within the heart of David, provided God with the legitimate basis to use the power contained in the capabilities of these names in battle against the enemies of David. We cannot use the power of God's names until we call upon him and we can't call upon him until we love him and love him within his word because all of the characteristics God has put into his word. And he had passed on this word then to his apostles and his apostles pass it on to us and we abide in the word. Psalm 18, 1 through 4. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together proclaim these eight names. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear all of these words and may he establish them in our heart and may he make us worthy of these names and these confessions and make us grounded and immovable in hope in a specific format as much as the Lord has allowed and according to the measure of our faith, we already looked at our inherited lot in the qualities and promises contained in the strength of God Most High. Therefore, we will immediately begin studying our lot, studying the qualities contained in the name of God Rock, which in its inner essence is beyond the comprehension of the typical human mind of a man. And to master and clothe yourself into the unearthly quality of a rock contained in the name of God Most High, it was necessary for us to study the question, study the price, the the question, the price we need to pay to possess the right to clothe our spirit into the virtue of the rock of the Lord so that God can receive the legitimate grounds He needs to keep us in His perfect peace. It turns out that For us, there's a specific price that needs to be paid to collaborate with God. And so, how much effort do you need to put in? Lord, you are my rock. And so, it doesn't take much effort, uh, of course, to proclaim this, uh, this phrasing or this phrase as we can compare it to maybe uh, you may have spent one calorie stating this and 800 calories in the morning. The effort is not. But this is not the price. The price itself is further down. The price for the first condition for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in your spirit consists in planting yourself in the house of the Lord. Psalm 92, 13 through 15. Those who were planted who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. 
They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. This is the price. And just uh, stating one phrase alone is not enough. Second price of the, or second price of the, uh, uh, or the price of the second condition for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in your spirit is demonstrating mercy toward vessels of mercy. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. And this includes forgiveness and forgiveness of yourself. To repent once and leaving your sins and forgive again and again and again, which takes effort. The price of the third condition for the right to possess the quality of the rock of the Lord in your spirit is to walk in the ways of the Lord like David did. 1 Kings 11.38 Then it shall be, if you heed all that I command you, walk in my ways, and do what is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as my servant David did, then I will be with you and build for you an enduring house, as I built for David, and I will give Israel to you. According to the given statement, so that God can build our bodies into an enduring house, it is necessary for us, like David, to inhabit the stronghold called Zion. Not just to inhabit, you need to take it by by war, and you will, of course, experience losses. This is the the height of Zion, and this was diff- it was difficult to take it, and nobody wanted to go against the Jebusites who were in control of 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 the place but David did uh, and he took control of Zion where the Lord uh, rules and where his residency will be uh, with his bride the stronghold Zion represents our body upon the condition that we have an organic membership to the stronghold Zion in the form of the virtuous wife if we are organically connected to such a church that needs to be this virtuous wife, then the scriptures uh, see us as the stronghold Zion, and this is the stronghold Zion where he can rule. Written in Proverbs 31, 10 through 31, this proverb, uh, this uh, these places in Proverbs explain and identify very many different qualities of the virtuous wife. Considering that we have been studying all these characteristics of the virtuous wife in the temple of our body, the husband of the of the virtuous wife is our new person, who represents the interests of Christ in the form of our husband within the temple of our body. The virtuous wife herself is our soul, which we have lost in the death of our Lord Jesus when we died through the law for the law, and then reobtained our soul in the resurrection of Jesus Christ in a new form, where she became able not to try to fulfill the role of the new person. Virtue or good work itself are the fruits of our spirit produced by the tree of life within 12 months of the holy year which we have grown in the Eden of our good heart by our collaboration with the truth of the word of God concealed within our good heart and with the Holy Spirit revealing the significance of the true word concealed within our heart. And we had already studied 12 virtues or the goodness that the virtuous wife possesses and we 
there are 12 of them as a, or 20 of them as a whole and so we will immediately begin uh, uh, to look at the 13th uh, which represents the church of Christ as well as our soul that is renewed the church of Christ and our soul these are those who will be able to have these virtues these qualities of the virtuous wife Of course, just talking about a simple uh, wife or a woman, this of course is not possible. This is talking about uh, the soul of a person. And so then if you, uh, if you try to demand or a woman to be able to be in accordance to all of these requirements, then you need to also look at the man's requirement and take it literal, and that includes the cross and nails. But those things are not offered uh, often during uh, the time of, of matrimony. There's often instruction for the woman, but not for the man. And so 13, good, uh, the 13th good of the virtuous wife consists in the fact that her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. We need to understand what in our body are the gates of the land who are the elders of the land sitting at these gates and what role do the elders of the land play in leadership with our husband with our spirit the gates of the city in ancient cities were courts or judgment seats where they sorted out various disputes and decided various debates or arguments Amos 15 515 hate evil love good establish justice in the gate it may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph therefore to sit at the gate is to investigate and defend in court the case of the poor and needy and decide a judicial or legal verdict against their enemy in the given situation the poor and needy is our body which is independence of governing in its sin in the form of the old person which is supported by the organized powers of darkness. The gates of the land within our body is our mouth, which is the command post called to control our body. Let us see where this is written, that the gates, the door, is our mouth. Psalm 141, 3 and 4. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Our lips are called doors, the door of my lips. Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice wicked works with men who work iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. To defend the case of the poor and needy on trial at the gates of our city in the form of our body is to confess with your mouth the faith of God abiding within your heart in the format of promises called to adopt our body, by the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. The elders of the land sitting at the gate of the land within our body, sitting in leadership with our husband, with our, with our spirit, is the collection or sum of the commandments and statutes of the Most High, abiding within our heart and sitting at the gates of our mouth. And so the elders of the land, this is the ancient truth, the elementary teaching. Usually, these elders were patriarchs. Today, they choose young people 
and it's uh, often easier to manipulate these people so that they would uh, satisfy all of your whims but as in ancient times these were the elders and they were wise and they were uh, they had this wisdom from God and judged according to God's commands and so these are God's commandments God's statutes the elementary teaching that is in our heart and it sits it sits at the gate of our mouth and the reason is because they will speak when our husband our spirit begins to do something if the new person is not active if we have not made him known at the gates then the elders will sit quiet the elders need to be utilized the word of God needs to be utilized the virtuous wife makes her husband known because she presents his interests and fulfills his will that is she presents the interests of the spirit and and fulfills his will by the power of the Holy Spirit whom she in her time received into her heart as the Lord and master of her life Acts 1.8 But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What does the Holy Spirit do when he's received as Lord and Master? He immediately utilizes testimony, something to proclaim at the gate. But this is upon the condition, of course. How do we... Without our spirit, we can't receive access to the Holy Spirit we can't utilize these elders we first learn to receive the revelation of the Holy Spirit into our spirit and second we learn to understand the revelations uh, that are placed in our spirit with our mind and when this happens then the Holy Spirit as the Lord allows the my elders my husband uh, to co- pro- proclaim judgment my lips and deliver my body from illnesses and curses and heal all aspects of our of my essence the role that the role that the elders of the land play in leadership with our husband is to fulfill or do all the commandments and statutes of the most high written upon the tablets of our heart to provide him with the legitimate foundation to destroy the stronghold of death within our body and erect the stronghold of life in its place romans 10 9 10 that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Romans 10, 9, 10. Now let's look at the 14th, the good, 14th good of the virtuous wife. Remember, we're talking about our church as well as our soul, the qualities she has, the virtue she has. And so, the good of the virtuous wife, our soul, and our church, the Church of Christ, consists in her making linen garments and selling them, and she supplies sashes for the merchants. As it is written, she makes linen garments and sells them, and supplies sashes for the merchants. In the given place of Scripture, the word garments in Hebrew, in this case, means sindon. This is an undergarment put on the body made of thin linen fabric which was a sacred tunic of a priest and served as a symbol of justification received freely by grace in the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. And so she makes these tunics, these sindan, made of a thin, pleasant uh, linen fabric. 
that literally was laid against the body. At the same time, the verb cells in the given place of scripture in Hebrew means give or dedicate yourself voluntarily as a slave of righteousness. Therefore, the phrase, she makes linen garments and sells them, she makes sin done. This is the soft, thin linen fabric, means she confirms her justification received by the gift of grace and submits or gives the members of her body as slaves of righteousness. And so again, why do we need justification? Justification is necessary so that these uh these sindan can be sold so we could sell ourselves as slaves of righteousness looking at the context of these this place we can't be slaves of righteousness if we have not received justification if we don't have this wonderful sindan this wonderful linen garment and when a person has the right justification received according to scripture he can then sell this garments this sindan and give himself as a slave of righteousness. If a, pers- if a person does not have justification, he can become a monk, he can exclude himself, he can stay secluded somewhere, um, but uh, the only thing he will draw is demons because justification was received incorrectly and such garments, will, according to scripture, can't be sold. Sashes, which the virtuous wife in the form of our new person supplies to the Fe- Phoenician merchants, is the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ. The symbol of the Phoenician merchants, because it says she sells these sashes to the merchants. The symbol of the Phoenician merchants is our mind placed in voluntary dependence of the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ within our spirit. It is specifically by the means of our mind that the confessions of the faith of God abiding within our heart are formulated into logical and meaningful sentences, becoming therefore accessible for our mouth to use them. This is why we need to take these sashes uh, and sell them to the merchants. The reason is because to be able to gird yourself and to confess the word of God, we need to confess that word that we form, that word, that sash, it forms the logical, as as we talked about, that pretty much it makes it uh, our, our renewed, uh, our mind renewed by the spirit of our mind, and so they take this truth of these sashes and work with them and it formulates then because of the confessions of the faith of God abiding in the heart formulates them into logical and meaningful sentences so that our mouth can proclaim and use and so in them in us Phoenicians need to work and the reason and the way they work is there's th- there's things that may be heard that we don't didn't understand the correct way previously. We removed that. We replace it with the new ones. That means the Phoenicians are working. And the the virtuous wife she corrects everything within herself. Phoenicians were very interesting as people. And this. And so the connection between verbal and writing 
uh, actually came from the Phoenicians. The, they really uh, put a lot of significance into this. We need to be able to reflect specific symbols. So they can take and read uh, what's, uh, what's written down. This was something that they focused on in that time, in ancient times. And so, pretty much, if you want to say sun, and you see the image of a sun, a picture of a sun, a circle, and it looks, you'll be able to identify what it is. And so, the promises and, and revelations we receive from the apostles, they're presented in the form of images that we need to then, using our Phoenicians, uh, demonstrate in word. For example, the letter A, or as in the Russian or the English, the alphabets, um, in the ancient in the ancient uh, times, for example, in uh, in the Slavic language, uh, these letters were often applied in 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 action or in in, in in some kind of act or action. A lot of the lettering that was used, and so when you and so it was either in the form of image or seeing or understanding. They applied even in the alphabet lettering that was used, how they applied it in a in a physical sense or in physical uh, things within life. And so everything that God does, it needs to find its imprint within our prayers and our mouth, uh, the words we speak. Moses said, "Do everything," or the Lord said to Moses, "Do everything how I showed you," and God told. Moses, I showed you how this beautiful tabernacle needs to look. Now you need to write it down and pass it on exactly as I've described it. And so when the Lord gives us his word, he shows it to us. And now uh, in our cell groups, we use our Phoenician so that it becomes accessible then to our our mind in a form of uh, statements or confessions. Let us look at the 15th, the good of the virtuous wife is that strength and honor are her clothing, giving her the ability to rejoice in time to come. As it is written, strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. The word clothing in Hebrew means an opaque or dark cloud covering the sea. God showed through his creation how the seas are clothed. They are with this dark cloud or opaque cloud. We can conclude that the virtuous wife is endowed with the virtue of a cloud of the Most High in the form of the unification of the Thummim and Urim which abide inside of her. Specifically truth within the heart in the form of the Thummim about two things leading us in behind the veil of the Holy Place and the Holy Spirit revealing the truth within our, within our heart in the form of the Urim is strength within the heart and honor and the honor of this strength. Hebrews 6, 17 through 20. Then God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, what are these two immutable things, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us with his body and his blood, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. 
Hebrews 6, 17 through 20, Therefore, when our sea in arrogant waves of the corrupt lusts rise against us, we can joyfully look at the time to come, abiding in the revelations, called to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ, counting yourself dead to sin, and living for God, proclaiming the not existent as existent. An incredible uh, truth that we are receiving. How do you look uh, to your future when your sea inside is storming? Job 38, 8 through 11, or who shut in the sea with the door? When it bursts forth and issues, when it burst forth and issued from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, This far you may come, but no farther, and here your proud waves must stop. Job 38, 8 through 11. We have all of this, and the scriptures, when we're in such a state, when our corrupt uh, lusts are rising up as waves, we need to gladly and joyfully look to our future, look at ta- what ta- things to come. When everything's speaking against us, we need to look at what is to come, and that means we are abiding in God's revelations. Abiding in God's revelations, what, what has God done? Uh, he is written that he took the clouds and clothed them, clothed, clothed the sea with his clouds, with his dark clouds. The Lord clothes his sea with his costume, and so he, the the ocean, with all its great waves, with the power that the ocean and the sea has, uh, the cloud c- contains these these things. And the clouds is abiding in God's revelations, the revelations that are called to adopt our body by the redemption of Christ. Abiding in God's revelations, I need to confess these revelations. Abiding is not just meditating. Meditating is good. And talking about it with other people, with with your saints, count yourself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim the not existent as existent. In this way, we look joyfully at, at, for, at the times that are to come. Let's look at the 16th, the good of the virtuous wife, consists in her opening her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. As it is written, she opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. The law of kindness is a demonstration of wisdom that comes from above, which can exclusively abide within the heart in the fruit of the tree of life, grown within the heart by being instructed in faith. Matthew 11, 28-30. Here it's talking about gentleness and meekness, and the tree of life as well. Matthew 11, 28-30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The law of kindness is called to discipline the emotional aspect of the soul so that it can be used as a horse for riding in the direction of the placed by God goal to destroy the stronghold of death within our body and erect the stronghold of life in its place. Specifically, using this meek mouth, gentle mouth, 
this is the bridle that is put upon our horse. Jesus will come upon a white horse, and with him other horses, these are the saints that have this uh, gentle mouth. And so if something needs to be said, you put on this bridle and control. And if it's not, it, and if you're not needing to speak, then you just put this bridle, you put it, you pull it back, and this typically stops the horse from doing anything further. And so the scriptures say we need this types, type of riding, riding of our horse, uh, uh, so that we can go uh, ride it to, in the direction of God's goals. We will come back uh, to rule here for a thousand years uh, with our upon horses. This is our will, and uh, and if it will not be disciplined with a bridle and be able to control when when it when when our uh, emotions, when we are able to speak or when we should speak or not speak, if we don't have this ability to discipline ourselves. <clears throat> It is necessary to be able to do this and stop it when it needs to be stopped. So let us look at this uh, gentleness. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy <coughs> are all who retain her. Proverbs 15.4 and Proverbs 3.13 and 18. And so here we see the anatomy of how we can have this gentleness or meekness. It's called here the tree of life. <clears throat> but it's not just the tongue, but also the ability to find wisdom and obtain understanding. This is also the tree of life. And so if we combine these things together, what will happen? If we will be able to find wisdom and receive it into our heart, if we will be able to renew our mind and renew our mind and up to reobtain it, pretty much renew it within ourselves, find wisdom and understanding, and then having this meek or gentle tongue. You need to uh, seek wisdom, obtain knowledge, and have a meek tongue. 17. The good of the virtuous wife is that she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also, and he praises her. As it is written, she watches over the way of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. To watch over the way of your household within your body is to stand guard of the faith of God abiding within your heart, which is a carrier and doer of our calling, leading us to the placed by God goal, which consists in adopting our body by the redemption of Christ given to us by God. This is the way of the household that she watches. This is what a person is, is responsible for. Uh, this is the household. And we see these great promises. This is the household that we watch over. The pro this includes all of the promises, includes our families and everything we have. 2 John 1.8 Look to yourselves 
that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive a full reward. To look to yourself is to watch over the ways of your household, not watch over others, but over yourself. Children is the symbol of the fruit of your spirit and the fruit of our lips that praise God for the accomplished by Him redemption. In Hebrew, the verb rise up, as it says, the children rise up and call her blessed. When do they call her blessed? When she watches over the ways of her household. And so watching over the ways of your household is watching over yourself. And so then the children, the promises, the fruit begins to rise up and call you blessed. The, the Hebrew, in Hebrew, the verb rise up is rise from the ruins, erect the stronghold of life, establish the truth within the heart, and accomplish your purpose. Therefore, the phrase, her children rise up and call her blessed, means by the means of the fruit of the mouth, praising God, for the achieved by him redemption, we will rise from the ruins so that we can accomplish our purpose and erect the stronghold of life within our body. Here's what the children do, these promises and this fruit. Uh, Using our mouth, it rises from the ruins when we watch over the the ways of our household, Hebrews 10, 35 through 38, through 39, 35 through 39. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise, for yet a little while he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. The phrase her husband also and he praises her means that he that her husband weighs her upon the scale plates of righteousness the spirit weighs our soul upon the scale plates of righteousness and finds our soul faithful which gives him the legitimate Christ the legitimate foundation he needs to lead us our soul into the atmosphere of his upright joy And so how how the, the Holy Spirit behaves as a gentleman, he only uh, does anything through our spirit, through the uh, by the means of the husband. And so he leads our soul together with our spirit into this upright joy. <clears throat> upright joy does not just exist in the spirit, it needs to be also in our soul and also pass over to our body as well when it will be adopted. But this will not happen until the husband will praise the virtuous wife. Or the Holy Spirit, using the husband, will praise the virtuous wife. Matthew twenty-five twenty-three. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. <clears throat> and so faithful... Uh, <clears throat> over a few things means you watched over yourself and not over others. You watched over yourself, looked over yourself. <clears throat> he entrusted ourselves to ourselves so that we can weigh ourselves according to God's commandments with the Holy Spirit and lead us into upright joy. Lead ourselves. This means she watches over the ways of her household, watch over, watching over yourself, and all the promises that have died, they resurrect, and The husband calls her blessed. He leads her into upright joy. (coughs) 18. The good of the virtuous wife consists in the fact that there are many daughters who have done well, but she has excelled them all. 
<clears throat> As it is written, many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. An excelled virtue consists in comprehending the love of Christ, filling a person with all of the fullness of God. How does this virtuous wife for our soul, how is she able to be excelled and excel all when she properly uh, looks at the love of God? Ephesians 3.16-19 through 19, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through the spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded <clears throat> and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be, fil- may be filled with all of the fullness of God Ephesians 3.16-19 through 19. this is how she was able to excel all our soul because she was able to comprehend the love of God comprehend with all the saints what is the what is the uh, and so she was able to again be grounded and rooted in love and be able she was able to comprehend with all the saints so she can load then know then the love of Christ which passes knowledge so she may then be able to be filled with all of the fullness of God And so being filled, you can demonstrate then this love within yourself. A soul then, this is a soul that was able to excel all. 19. The good of the virtuous wife consists in the fact that she fears the Lord and therefore is worthy of praise from God and man, as it is written. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. But a woman, the soul who fears the Lord, shall she shall be praised from the, and praised by men, both God and men, who fear. The presence of the fear of the Lord within the heart of man is the presence of wisdom coming from above, which identifies the kingdom of God within his heart, which has come to power, which does not demonstrate itself in food and drink, but in righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. As it is written, Romans 14, 17, 18. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Romans 14, 17, 18. And so I will be acceptable to God and approved by both God and men when we receive the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God and in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Again, without the fear of the Lord, without God's wisdom, you cannot possess this kingdom. Such a person who receives such a kingdom of God upon his conditions can do so because of the fear of the Lord. And so now let's look at the 20th, the good, the good of the virtuous wife, the 20th good of the virtuous wife is that she will receive a reward from the fruit of her hands, which will praise her in the gates. We're going through these principles and how 
And so it's talking about uh, him that you have excelled them all and that you're worthy of praise. <clears throat> you see how the Lord looks at the soul and <clears throat> and so this is a soul that is renewed by the spirit of our mind. It's our mind renewed by the spirit of our mind. He begins to praise such a soul because she praised the Lord. As it is written, give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. The essence of the given proverb consists in the fact that the one who labors in the garden will be the first to, to taste his fruits. The soul is presented here as the gardener who 2 Timothy 2, 4 through 7. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlists him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. This is Paul writing to his disciple Timothy. Therefore, you need to you need one condition to correspond to the to the essence of the virtuous wife, and that is legitimately commit legitimately commit to being a warrior in prayer. And this means strive to enter through the narrow gate which many will seek so that they can enter but will not be able to. Luke thirteen twenty three through thirty. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shuts the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us, and he will answer and say to you, I do not know you, where are you from? Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your, in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourself thrust out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first, and there are first who will be last. Luke thirteen twenty three through 30. Here it's talking about the narrow gate and the narrow path. In John it's written, I am the door and who will, be, who will walk with me, this one will find pasture. Pasture feeding is a feeding ground, a grazing ground or a meadow with a good variety of grasses or the grazing of the sheep. To find such a green pasture means to find the narrow path signifying a place or church of saints where food is given for the developing of spiritual growth and life in the spirit. The phrase, he will go in and go out, he can't first go uh, out if unless he goes first go in you go in through the narrow gate and you go out then onto the narrow path Symbo symbolically means going in or entering the narrow gate and going out is going out or passing through the narrow gate and onto the narrow path 
And so the pasture is the narrow path that we walk. And so again, this narrow path is in the form of the pasture. And so you may say it, feel, it seems a bit uh, tight in this situation, but yeah, you enter through the narrow gate and then onto the narrow path. This is the place, this is the pasture. This is the place for uncrucified soul, for ambitions, for our personal understanding, our genetic life. It is tight for it, but for the spirit, it is very, it is expansive and and plentiful. The symbol is well illustrated in the case of Noah <clears throat> entering the Ark of Salvation <clears throat> and afterwards exiting this Ark. If Noah would not have exited the Ark of Salvation, then the Ark of Salvation would have become for him a more tragic death than the waters of the flood. Why did God allow, why did he want him to go into the ark so he can then take him out, of course, into his resurrection, the resurrection of Christ. The gates of ancient cities were the main place the elders of the city sat together with the kings or governors and heard court. they heard court cases where new laws and orders were made and, and, and announced and where various other announcements were also made so that the door to the sheepfold, meaning the house of God in the form of the narrow gate, or the narrow path, including the threshold of God's house, which is an integral part of the door, <clears throat> is the Son of God as the as the head of the house of God. So again, the door of the sheepfold, meaning uh, the house of God in the form of the narrow path, including the threshold of God's house, which is an integral part of the door, is the Son of God as the head of the house of God, in the form of this narrow gate. At the same time, the pasture or the narrow path is the body of Jesus Christ in the form of his church. The wide gate is the wrong or false teaching about Christ and a false representation of Christ. At the same time, the width and path upon which many, the wide path upon which many walk are individual people and individual churches mixing human emissions with the truth. Contrary to our human logic, Jesus called freedom from sin and lust, the narrow gate and narrow path. The thing is that the original of the phrase narrow gate means you can pass through them, but not in your own personal clothing, which is your own personal righteousness, which means that it is impossible to bring any of your baggage through the narrow gate in the form of your own personal interests, consisting in the inheritance of the sinful life passed on to us from our fathers. Second, apart from that, those who pass through the narrow gate need to correspond to the nature and essence of the narrow gate. Therefore, to enter through the narrow gate, it is necessary to differentiate the narrow gate from the wide gate and the narrow path from the wide path. Second, to have the right to enter through the narrow gate, it is necessary to remove your own clothing, meaning become naked or exposed, and after put on new clothing given by God, righteousness received from God. Third, to have the right to enter through the narrow gate, it is necessary to consciously reject all baggage, any inheritance, and all that does not correspond to the nature of the narrow gate. Fourth, to have the right to enter through the narrow gate, it is necessary to place yourself into the nature of the narrow gate and also place the nature of the narrow gate into your heart. In other words, to enter through the narrow gate, it is necessary to first allow the Holy Spirit to clothe us with his power, and second, receive him 
so that He can forever live in our heart as our King and our Lord. <clears throat> Fifth, to remain upon the narrow path, it is necessary to consciously be vigilant and stand guard of the commandments of God. And sixth, what differentiates the narrow gate from the wide are the goals placed for us by God in Christ, which we are, call <clears throat> which we are called to achieve through Christ and by the means of Christ. If our goal is a cloudless and secure life in the flesh, then we will be exploiting spiritual principles to achieve and sustain our life in the flesh. The leaders that lead people through the wide gate, it is habitual to call this approach to grace a wide outlook, where they attempt to combine the interests of the flesh with the, interest, with the interests of the spirit. <coughs> And so people ask, well, what do we do if we have very wealthy people within our midst? Well, this is for them. Also, the place after the fall of man is not a place, the world is not a place of fun. If God has allowed people to possess resources or large resources, Uh, and if they're utilized incorrectly or improperly, they will be punished for that. The world, the earth is a place where we need to produce fruit, bear fruit to God. And that's for the saints, of course. If our goal is the life of the Spirit and life in the Spirit, then we will be using <clears throat> spiritual principles of grace to nourish and grow life in the spirit. Stating these two definitions, we find the following in the book of Apostle Paul to the Church of God who are in Galatia. Galatians 6, 7, 8 Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Therefore the wide gate leading to death implies the gates of hell embodying the Antichrist, misrepresenting or posing as Christ. The wide path leading to death <coughs> is partial truth or a perversion of the truth demonstrated in the wine of the wrath of fornication which the woman who sits upon the scarlet beast which is the false bride has given drink to all the nations. The narrow gate leading to eternal life or to the bosom of the Heavenly Father is the Son of God Jesus Christ. The narrow path leading to eternal life is the path of the commands or paths of the commandments of the Lord. And now that we have passed through this narrow gate, which is Jesus Christ and His truth, and have come out, we have entered through the narrow gate and onto the narrow path, then this is the life and resurrection, or the resurrection of life. And so He will... Go, come out onto the narrow path so he can walk in the resurrection of life. This is not just to walk in life. As us Christians, we don't just have uh, uh, the exclusive word life. We we know the words Jesus has is risen and 
the Lord gives us life so that in the death of the Lord Jesus, we can uh, die so that we can receive his resurrection. Life is not always resurrection. Resurrection is always life. So let us look at those people who have passed through the narrow gate and have uh, and now are upon this narrow path and their life is in the resurrection is the resurrection of life or life that is after death first the resurrection of life in the form of the narrow gate and narrow path is known by keeping your heart Proverbs Proverbs 4.23 Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. And so where does life come from? It comes from the heart. And so your heart needs to be properly kept. And if we have not passed through the narrow gate and are not upon the narrow path, we will not be able to keep our heart. And all the springs of life are in our heart or come from our heart and will be clothed into what? into the resurrection of Christ but to be more specific our bodies will be clothed into the new person and who is the new person? This, and so what we see, the physical, this is the mortal body and it's a gentle and vulnerable but the new man is who needs to be grown into full measure of growth in Christ so that the entire body will be covered with the new person. And the salvation will, our body will put on this salvation. But those that are carnal, that are, uh, that these will be putting on their old man. And imagine these are, these are the kind of people that will be in hell. They'll be very scary people. But in heaven, people will be wonderful and beautiful. Why? Because they'll be clothed into their new person so that we may be grown into the fullness, full measure of growth in Christ, into a, a mature man, into a full-grown full man, so that we may be able to comprehend the love of Christ, to be filled with all the fullness of Christ. If my new person is a baby, then how can I put him on? The new person needs to be grown into full measure of growth. And into grown into a full man, a full measure of growth in Christ, be freed of all deceit, and he will then take. Uh, he will then, pretty much, our body will fully clothe itself into the new person. Second, the resurrection of life in the form of the narrow gate and narrow path is determined by spiritual thinking or spiritual thoughts. Romans 8, 6, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Here we're looking at our soul. If you have to keep your heart, keep your spirit here, uh, walking through the narrow gate, we now see that to be spiritually minded 
And so you pass through the narrow gate onto the narrow path. And this is uh, spiritual, being spiritual minded. And so you have your heart, you have spiritual mind, or you have spiritual thoughts. And the third is our body. The body also needs to enter through this narrow gate. Third, the resurrection of life in the form of the narrow gate and narrow path is determined by the dying of our Lord Jesus within our bodies. Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. 2 Corinthians 4.10 And so, first, the heart. Keep your heart. Second, have spiritual thoughts. And third, carry within your body the dying of, of the Lord Jesus. How the Word of God takes care of us, uh, of course, use the, by the preached Word of our Apostle. Fourth, once we pass through the narrow gate and we walk this narrow path upon the pastures of right of resurrection, where's this life shown? Am I am walk? Am I walking upon these, or in these pastures? Fourth, the resurrection of life in the form of the narrow gate and narrow path is determined in the ability to search the scriptures. John 5:39-40. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you to think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. But we do, of course, in this case he was speaking to. And so we do because we're working on that, in that direction. And we need to search the scriptures. We were taught the word of God. And when we begin to, we, when we begin to meditate about the word of God, what we're taught, this then becomes our possession. And because of this, we have eternal life. For you, you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify to me. In other words, we, he's saying that, that what they're thinking is correct. And so, of course, it's always best not to be able to miss any services. Of course, there are exceptions where there's work or other things, but uh, there are exceptions to the rule, but it's best to uh, avoid uh, uh, not uh, missing any. Fifth, the resurrection of life in the form of the narrow gate and narrow path is determined by sowing your tithes into, into the soil of the Spirit. Galatians 6, 8, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, one who has not passed through the narrow gate. He begins to pay God. I pay God, I fast, I do this and this. The Lord says, no, you can do whatever you want. You can even give your body as a, a sacrifice, but you still will go to hell. Why? Because I only work with one who has passed through the narrow gate and walks the narrow path. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap, reaps corruption, one who has not passed through the narrow gate. This is one who has not wanted to lose his soul, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Galatians 6.8 And so one who has died and resurrected in Jesus Christ no longer pays God his tithe, but gives, gives to the Lord his tithe. Sixth, the resurrection of life in the form of the narrow gate and narrow path is determined in hating his worldly life. John 12.25, he who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. 
And so there where we see in our soul the presence of the world, the presence of the cursed genetic uh, genetic line or code, it needs to be passed through death so that the Lord can then praise our soul. You need to hate the soul within the world or the things, when it, the essence of the world in, in ourselves. And seventh and final, the resurrection of life in the form of the narrow gate and narrow path is determined by keeping yourself in the love of God. Jude one twenty one, Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Keep yourself, keeping yourself in love and mercy and waiting for His coming is when a person has entered through the narrow gate, come out upon the narrow path, and is walking this narrow path and saying, Lord, thank you for these wonderful pastures, uh, these various uh, form, uh, various grasses, how wonderful it is, and I didn't even know. And so we have the right to these blessings. And so right now we are going to pray, may the Lord bless us in this prayer, and may the Lord allow us to break dependence of sin, fear of illnesses, to receive freedom from uh, corruption, death. We call also those not just those who want to repent or want healing or restoration, but also for any other reason that you may want to, to thank God. Let us pray.
I'm going to be praying your prayer, and I ask you to deeply believe that the Lord is on your side. He's not against you. He has loved you with his eternal love. He has given us the work of his redemption. He has stood between us and our enemies to be able to protect us and lift us up to his level. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your your hands are without doubt or wrath. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you upon this holy place, upon your church or in your church of saints, and I repent in my heart and I pray remove my pain, my suffering, my wounds inflicted by sin and lusts that I hate and that I reject. I come to you with my illnesses, fears, a dishonor and pampered dignity. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, heal my wounds, restore me, and protect me by the blood of your Son. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills. May with noise the stronghold of death be thrusted out from within your body and May the stronghold of life be erected in its place. May all this be upon you and upon your children, and the nation shall say, Amen. A very complete sermon that our our apostle has passed on to us. Of course, we need to meditate about it, chew it, meditate and say, say these words, proclaim these words. And I trust you will be doing this. Let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.